0: My name is Ben Weibel, W.I. Farms in Sherman, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas, Agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello Texas, so glad to be back with you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've already done several stories over the last couple of months about getting this Texas wheat crop in the ground here this fall and the condition of that crop. Well, we're going to do one more. We'll head up to northeast Texas to visit with Ben Schultz to get an update on the wheat crop in his part of the state. Ben is also a leader in the wheat industry. He's been a past president of the National Association of Wheat Growers as well as holding other positions. We'll get his take on some of the happenings in Washington, D.C. That story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
0: There are still some schedules to finalize and a few details to iron out, but the lineup for meeting season in the Texas High Plains is shaping up to offer producers a lot of education and CEUs. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
2: A champion of agriculture is honored by farmers and ranchers representing the largest farm and
1: ranch organization in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: Cotton harvest is winding down here on the Rolling Plains, and farmers have a lot to smile about this year. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's
2: report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We've had several reports recently on getting the last of the wheat crop in the ground here in Texas and the poor condition of the crop that's coming up Ben Schultz is a wheat grower in LaVon, Texas. That's just northeast of Dallas. He says they've been fortunate in his area of the state this year.
4: In northeast Texas, we're, we're ahead of the game of normally. We're struggling usually right here at the end to get all those acres in, but most of those acres have come in. And Recently, in a wheat board meeting that I serve on in Texas, uh, I made a comment. I said, I know it's dry in west Texas whenever northeast Texas are getting caught
2: up. Schultz is the past president of the National Association of Wheat Growers and still serves the industry in leadership capacities. He says there are several issues that wheat growers are keeping an eye on right now in Washington.
4: Yes, the tax issues still that, that are lingering that this administration proposes, uh, basically we're, we're in opposition to all of those suggestions that are being thrown out. Really concerned about The possibility of a transfer tax still being in in, in some of the package. So, yes, we're we're, we're involved in that on a
2: national level. We grower Ben Schultz of LeVon, Texas. The Texas Hispanic Farmer and Rancher Conference is coming up next month.
5: Registration is now open for the Texas Hispanic Farmer and Rancher Conference. The annual event will be held virtually January 12th and 13th. Speakers will discuss sustainable growing, FSA programs and loans, the 2022 Ag Census, farmer mental health, direct marketing, goat production and marketing, and NRCS conservation programs. You can register now on the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley's SARA website. You can also search online for Texas Hispanic Farmer and Rancher Conference. The event is free and open to the public. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
2: The White House is blaming meat packers for inflation. Grocery prices are climbing at their fastest pace since 2008, with beef, pork, and poultry leading the way, up nearly 13% since last November, according to the government's new inflation report. The White House is pinning the blame for surging meat prices on meat packers, accusing them of taking advantage of their market power to raise prices while increasing their own profit margins. Reports from four of the largest processors indicate that their gross profits collectively have more than doubled during the pandemic and their net income has shot up by 500 percent. The meat industry is dismissing the White House claims as an attempt to shift the blame for inflation, saying wholesale margins are falling as processors overcome supply chain disruptions due to the pandemic. After the holidays comes meeting season. James Hunt takes a look at some of the meetings on the schedule for the Texas High Plains.
0: Here in December, we've already had some producer education meetings around the Texas High Plains, but once we get into the new year, meeting season will really get going. And one big highlight next month will be the Pioneer Crop Production Clinics, making their return after a one-year absence due to COVID. Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid says the clinics will cover a lot of ground.
3: We're gonna try to emphasize Things that are important to our customers right now, especially things like fertility, fertilizer prices, chemical prices, chemical shortages, market outlook, and we'll be talking about some new irrigation practices, mobile drip line technology, some new products out to control corn rootworm beetle adults. So I think this is one of the better meetings we've
0: had. Several of those pioneer clinics will be conducted around the region, with the first one taking place on January 10th in Dalhart. We'll bring you more details, including the full schedule and later reports. Of course, we'll have a bunch of meetings to preview in the coming weeks, but let me say, Texas A&M AgriLife has a lot on tap next month, so maybe call your local extension agent to make sure you don't miss anything. Now, to round out this discussion of meetings, let's hear from AgriLife dairy specialist Juan Pinheiro about the High Plains Dairy Conference March 1st and 2nd in Amarillo. The goal of the conference is very producer-oriented. It's to bring the latest research and
3: practical knowledge to dairy farmers so that they can go back to their dairies and implement this knowledge. Of course, networking is another goal that the conference has, but mostly that's the goal that we have is to share unbiased, science-based, practical knowledge with dairy farmers that they could use at their operations.
0: We'll have more information about the Dairy Conference agenda in future reports. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network
2: a champion of agriculture, was honored by the state's largest farm organization. Tom Nicoletti has more. At the recent convention of the largest farm and ranch organization in Texas, State Representative Dwayne Burns received a prestigious award for his efforts in the Texas legislature to make agriculture stronger for producers. TFB Network's Gary Joyner caught up with Representative Burns during the Texas Farm Bureau's 88th Annual Convention following the award presentation.
4: I'm with State Representative Dwayne Burns, who at a special event in Corpus Christi was named a champion of Texas agriculture. What does that honor mean to you? It's hard to put into words just how, how much it means to me and my family. Uh, Agriculture has been a part of who I am for as long as I can remember, and this organization literally helped shape who I am as a young man and has been right there with me every step of the way through my professional career and even political career. So to be recognized for the work we've done to protect property rights around this state, uh, I can't put it into words. I appreciate it so much talked about that it's a WE award, that everyone that's associated with the effort is associated with this award. You really felt that way. I do feel that way. And uh, and when we get folks in the Capitol that, that have those priorities in mind, we we are able to pass legislation that is meaningful to rural Texas and, and protects property rights and uh, takes our values into consideration. We're, we're considered old fashioned sometimes. There's different, different ways to put it. The cancel culture is running amok and everything from agriculture to our, our right to farm, our right to, to do what we know and love is threatened daily. And And so it's important that we have folks in office that understand that.
2: That is State Representative Dwayne Burns along with TFB Network's Gary Joyner. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is winding down on the Texas Rolling Plains, and Barry Mahler tells us farmers there have a lot to smile about this year.
3: Open weather here on the Rolling Plains has moved cotton harvest along at a record pace, and most producers, if they're not finished, are in the wrap-up stages. Now that same open weather has left us drier than normal and the drought maps are beginning to show the lack of rainfall, but that's a subject for another day. Let's concentrate on the good news of good yields and near record prices. Many farmers tell me that the only thing missing from making this as good a crop as they've ever raised is a dry spell from late August into September that was needed to set the late crop. But even without that, yields are very good. A lot of cotton on the deeper soils have reported production of a bale and a half to two bales and some instances even more than that, and even the thinner ground making up close to a bale or per acre or maybe a little more. Now, you combine that production with prices that have seen a sharp rally through the fall, and the outcome will bring the opportunity to clean up some debt and prepare for the prospect of higher inputs for a lot of growers. It was back in 2011, during the drought year, that we last saw futures at a dollar, and that was due to severe crop damage by the dry weather. There are numerous ideas as to what brought on the rally, but economists seem to think that the rally began with improved demand as things started to move when the world found its way to function again even with the pandemic. And when markets start to move to the upside, outside money comes into the futures market, and that supports the rally, and then more folks want to get in, and it feeds on itself. Now, the problem with that is that that same speculative interest will begin to move out of the markets as it peaks and trends lower, and that can create a sharp decline, and that decline can come pretty fast. But for now, a lot of $0.90 to $1 per pound cotton is being sold, and some growers are looking at pricing some of their future production, which might be a good idea, according to some ag economists. Economists warn us that there are several things to watch for after getting this crop priced, and that, of course, is the downside risk in the market we talked about. Funds are leaving and well, that'll put some pressure on it. Now, also, competition from other products can substitute for cotton in the market. Worldwide planted acres will also likely increase and that will also bring pressure to the market with added supply. But for now, I think cotton farmers on the rolling plains are happy just to get the harvest wrapped up and enjoy a successful crop while they can. This is Barry Mahler reporting from north central Texas for Texas Ag Today.
5: The Texas A&M Forest Service is asking hunters and campers to be careful with their firewood this year. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And there are many human medications that can be dangerous to animals. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag
1: Today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are many human medications
2: that can be dangerous to animals. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at some of those medications.
6: One of the chemicals used by humans that is toxic to pets is 5-fluorouracil cream or lotion. 5-fluorouracil is a common topical skin cancer treatment used by humans, and pets may be exposed by licking or biting into the tube. However, we also have to remember that some of these topical chemicals can be licked off a person's skin and some are toxic enough that just a few licks off a person's skin can cause clinical symptoms. If exposed to five-floor many dogs do not survive. Animals mainly display gastrointestinal symptoms like vomiting, diarrhea, and decreased appetite. Unfortunately, there is no antidote and many dogs develop severe seizures and even bone marrow suppression can occur in survivors. Another drug toxic to dogs is amphetamines, as they are used for weight loss and attention deficit disorders, or ADHD, in people. Symptoms in animals include a very high fever, high temperature, high blood pressure, and high heart rate. Seizures are the most common clinical signs in dogs that are exposed to amphetamines. There are legal forms of amphetamines, so just because the legal form of the drug is approved for people does not mean it's safe for animals. Another human medication is baclofen, and while it is used as a muscle relaxant in humans, dogs are very sensitive to it. Lots of folks with high blood pressure take calcium channel blockers, such as diltiazem and amlodipine. These drugs have a very narrow margin of safety, and even a small exposure can cause a severe decline in blood pressure and heart rate in pets. So be sure and lock all of your human medications in a cabinet so your pets cannot be exposed. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas a and Forest Service is asking hunters and campers to
2: be careful with their firewood this year. Jessica Domal tells why in today's wildlife report.
5: The Texas a and Forest Service is urging Texans, especially hunters and outdoor enthusiasts, to do their part to prevent the spread of deadly invasive pests and diseases found on firewood this fall and winter. According to the Forest Service, many impactful tree-killing pests in Texas forests live and breed inside firewood. And as people collect or buy firewood, they may be unknowingly transporting them into areas of the state or the nation where those pests and diseases do not already exist. Some of these diseases, like the invasive emerald ash borer and the red bay ambrosia beetle, can have devastating impacts, practically wiping out entire tree species in some areas. The emerald ash borer can currently be found in north and northeast Texas. It has already killed millions of ash trees across the eastern United States. And pests aren't the only concern. Diseases like oak wilt, which can be spread via firewood, has killed oak trees in central Texas. According to the Forest Service, firewood is one of the main ways that many of these pests are moved, no matter how seasoned or old the firewood is. Even if the wood looks clean or healthy, it may have insect eggs or fungal spores on it, which can start new infestations. Demian Gomez, a Texas A&M Forest Service regional forest health coordinator, says the best rule of thumb is to burn firewood close to where it is bought or picked up. Additional details are available at don'tmovefirewood.org. That is don'tmovefirewood.org. And for the URL on that, there is no apostrophe between the N and the T in the word don't. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
2: Cattle and cotton both finished lower on Tuesday while the wheat market closed mixed. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
7: It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful, things like the economy. Finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, farm bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn
1: more. We saw lower trade in the cattle futures market on
2: Tuesday with both live and feeder cattle moving lower. December live cattle down 17 cents to close at 136.77, February down 55 138.30, April live cattle down 37 at 142 even. Same story on the feeder market. January feeder cattle down 95 cents 164.57, March feeders down 7 166.40. April feeder cattle down twenty five at one hundred sixty nine ten. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report. Asking prices from the feedlots at one hundred forty to one hundred forty two. No bids reported from the Packers. Boxed beef prices lower on Tuesday, choice down a dollar seventy five at two hundred sixty one forty seven. Select down two hundred seventy nine at two fifty eighty five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
8: Kenny Mingus sells up in Milam County on the Little River every Friday at Milam County Livestock. Kenny, how'd the sale go this week? We had a total of 1971. Out of that mix, we had about 300 cows and bulls. Market was sure good on a desirable cattle. Let's walk the pins. Steers under 300, 130 to 220. 3 to 400 pound steers 121 to 214. 4 to 500 pound steers a dollar to $1.97 and over 580 to 173. On the heifers under 300, 120 to 195. 3 to 400 pound heifers, 111 to 168 four to 500 pound heifers, 95 to 164 and over 570 to 148 packer cows about steady from 20 to 73 packer bulls 60 to 91 on your bred cows from 400 to 1200 and on your cow calf pairs from seven and a quarter to 1250 speaking of cow calf pairs y'all got a special coming Probably a couple of hundred cows coming this week. Kind of our end-of-the-year special. We've had one for, I guess this is 13 or 14 years. We've had one every Christmas. About 160 Brangus and, and Angus Plus heifers coming from two consigners. Most of those heifers are going to be bred six to eight months to low birth weight Angus and Angus Plus bulls. There's about 75 crossbred cows coming from a man. Several of small consignments, 10 to 20 head. but man's going to send me about 20 head of crossbred cows, a few beef master cows on them. Got some six or seven, eight good Charlet bulls. Got a few good Angus bulls. Got a couple red angus bulls hopefully have a pretty good day this week tell everybody how to get a hold of you you bet just catch us at the office monday through wednesday at 254-697-6697 you can follow us on our web page at com, or catch us on facebook we've got a lot of these females posted out there and some of the bulls so if you have any questions just feel free to call us at any time thank you kenny mingus milam county livestock cameron sells them this friday neighbor thanks for listening to Walking the pens a production of the texas farm bureau radio network i'm larry marble good day
2: Thanks, Larry. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed lower. December hogs down 10 cents, 72.17. February hogs down 67 at 80 oh seven. Class 3 milk was lower. December milk down a penny, 1861 a weight. January milk down nine at 1997 a hundred. The cotton market closed lower on Tuesday. Traders trying to factor in a possible negative announcement coming from the Fed this week. The Federal Reserve meeting this week to decide whether to fast-track its tapering process in response to recent inflation reports. Also, news of the Omicron variant of COVID spreading across the U.S., kind of spooking the cotton market just a bit. March cotton down 91 points to close at 105.90. May down 93, 104.55. New crop December cotton down 23 points, 89.69 cents. The corn market closed higher, December corn up five and a half, five eighty-eight and three quarters, March corn up five and a quarter at five ninety and a quarter, new crops September corn up three, five sixty-one and a quarter. Not much direction in the wheat market on Tuesday, both hard and soft wheat finishing narrowly mixed. July Kansas City wheat up a quarter penny, eight oh three and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down two and a half at seven hundred eighty four a bushel. In the energy markets, January natural gas unchanged three hundred seventy nine. January crude oil down ninety-two cents at seventy thirty-seven a barrel. The financial markets lower on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 106 points at 35,544. The NASDAQ down 175, 15,237. The S&P down 34 points at 4,634. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the
1: planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts,